led him out into the forest where they came upon uh, this pool of water. And his purpose in doing this was to show the boy who he is in the eyes of God, his father. So the old teacher gazes around the edges of the pool and he sees that there are several sticks that are extending upward. And he points to one of the sticks and he asks the boy a fairly simple question. He says, do you see the twig poking up out of the water? Yes, the boy says. The old teacher looks at him and he says, is it crooked or is it straight? So the boy leans over and he peers at the stick and he says, well, it's crooked. Is it? Asks the teacher. The boy looks again and sees that the stick indeed bends under the water. So he nods. It's crooked. Pull the stick out of the water, the teacher says. Well, the boy squats and he gingerly pulls the stick from the pool. He stares, confused. So, says the old man, is the stick crooked or straight? It's straight, exclaims the boy. And it was straight before you pulled it out. The water only distorted the image and made it appear crooked. And in the same way, the world we live in, which is full of offense and grievance and wrong thinking, will distort your vision of yourself, making you look crooked, when in truth, you are straight in the eyes of your father. You see, like that stick, your own vision of yourself is only distorted by what you think you see with the eyes of your flesh. And what I want to talk about today is a mindset that I believe severely limits Christians. And not only that, there's a cousin of this mindset that often prevents people from coming to faith in the first place. The mindset that limits Christians is one that says, I'm a liability to God. I need to become more righteous and more holy before I could really be of any use to him. And the related mindset is one that says, well, I can't become a Christian right now because I'm still too much of a sinner. I need to get my act together and then I can come to Jesus. So let's pray right now as we get into this topic that God will open your eyes so that the you that you see is the you that he sees. So Father, I thank you for this message today. Lord, I pray now that you will go forth before these words even and open the eyes of our hearts and our minds that we might see and know the truth when we encounter it. Father, help us all to begin to see ourselves as you see us. 
I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you see, if we want to begin to operate in our lives from this unseen and eternal realm that we've been talking about over the last six or seven weeks, then frankly, we have to put ourselves on the shelf. The Christian life truly won't work until you get out of the way. (laughs) And you get yourself out of the way simply by believing this. You are not a liability to God. You are his precious asset. As long as you live under the false idea that you're a liability to God, then no matter how things are going in your life, you're always going to feel inadequate. You will feel that you come up short and you're not all that God wants you to be. You will constantly be focused on trying to get your act together. And until you see that you are right now already all that God wants you to be, that you are an asset to God, not a liability, then you will never be established in the fact that living water is flowing out of you right now. But when you finally make peace with who you are, you can begin to experience the realm of life that God has destined for you. You see, when you died on the cross with Jesus, you permanently died to being a liability to God. From his point of view, you can no longer be a liability. Even if you're messing up right now, you're not a liability. Because he's going to use it somehow, either in your life or in somebody else's life, or maybe both. Until you came to Christ, you were nothing but a liability. And the better that you appeared to be on the outside, the more of a liability that you actually were, because you esteemed your own righteousness. It's a foundational truth to know that you died with Christ and you are no longer a liability. We have got to get that. And so, therefore, having been raised with Christ, you can no longer be to God anything but an asset. He has accepted you. He is pleased with you. He uses you. He lives through you. He speaks through you. He loves through you. Your humanity is an asset to God. I don't have my slide clicker. But if I did, I would advance it to the next slide. (laughs) Which George is going to help me out with. Fortunately, that's the only one I have, so we don't need to worry about finding it. If we're meant to function on the human level, which is how God made us, by the way. Thank you, my son. We can't deny our humanity. See, we don't like things that we think or that we feel, and so we want to just kind of reject our humanness. But our humanity has to be part of God's plan. Otherwise, how could we actually express him? 
He's designed us to express him through our humanity. So denying that you're human probably is not the answer. See, this union of human spirit and divine spirit needs a way to express itself. And our soul and our body, remember we've talked about this whole concept of the line with the spirit above the line and the soul and the body below, right? And so that soul and the body is the way that God expresses himself through this union of our spirit and his spirit. So our humanity comes very much into play. Our feelings and the thoughts that we have have to be involved in this process. Otherwise, we're not true expressors of the God that is within us. You can kind of think of a, a radio broadcast as a way to illustrate this. You know, unless you are living in outer Mongolia, which maybe that's even not the case anymore, there's all kinds of programs that are being broadcast all around us all the time. But if you don't have radio turned on, you're not getting any of them. So that radio that's in your house or it's in your car or it's in your pocket is the means by which that broadcast is being manifest. And so spirit is like radio programming. It's always out there, but it has no point of contact unless there's a vehicle that receives it and then expresses it. So without a point of contact, spirit can't be expressed. And you and all of your humanity is that point of contact. The fact that God is joined to you in one spirit is absolute bedrock truth. But God expresses himself through the total you. Spirit, soul, and body. Everything is the means of his expression. I mean, you can't even talk if you don't have a body. It's impossible. Think of everything in your physical body that's involved in speaking. Your mind, your emotions, your will, your mouth, your, vo your vocal cords. See, we're a total person. We express him as total people. God says to us something like, I'm going to live in you, and other people are going to see you, but you know it's me. What this tells us is that we can stop seeing ourselves as a liability. Let me try over here. What this says is that we can stop seeing ourselves as a liability. Amen? We can cease thinking that something more needs to happen to us spiritually before we can be an asset to God. If we keep focusing on the external self, we're going to keep thinking, well, he can't use me yet. I got more work to do. But if we focus on the Christ living in us, 
we can put ourselves on the shelf as a liability and really begin to see ourselves as an asset. See, if we're in union with God, then he must have us to express himself through. Now, I'm not saying we're indispensable, so don't hear that. I'm just saying this is how God has chosen to operate. So if we're a necessary part of God's eternal plan and his plan in the here and now, then we're not a liability. We are an asset. Our function is to be in union with the greater and let him express himself through the lesser. We're vessels, containers of the life of God. But we're not the contents of the vessel. God is. We can't produce his life. We can only express it. Do you want to see what it's like for a vessel to try to be the contents? That's something you can try. Get a styrofoam cup, take a bite out of it, and start chewing. It doesn't taste very good. That's what happens when the vessel tries to give itself away rather than its contents. The cup doesn't taste as good as lemonade or coffee or Coke. But that's what we get if we start chewing the external looking for the eternal. Paul explained our role as God's assets this way. But we have this treasure, which is the life of Jesus... But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We are earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And the beauty of the vessel is its content. The frustration is when the vessel tries to become the content. And if we reduce the illustration to that, then we can begin to see how silly it is to try to become the contents. If you became the contents, then there wouldn't be any vessel to hold you. You can't be both the vessel holding the life of God and at the same time try to be the life of God. Only he is the life and only he can live through you. And if you can do that, <clears throat> then you can say, I only do what I see Christ doing, and I only speak what I hear Christ speaking. And people are going to reply, well, it sure did look like you. It sure did sound like you. Because you know the truth, because you know that it's really the life of Jesus in you, then you can say, Thank you. But if you don't know this truth, then you're going to go back home and you're going to go, somebody recognized me. Somebody saw that I'm a Christian. Somebody saw what I did. See the difference? God said, let us make man in our image. 
We are not the essence of God, but we are the image of the essence of God. We mirror the essence. We're the means of the essence. We reflect the glory of the nature of the one we contain. God manifests himself to people through people. He first did it with Jesus. He does it now through us. See, being an earthen vessel is more than just being a jar of clay. It's this beautiful union of giver and receiver and expressor. And it raises us to the level of our original purpose. Even after man fell, God's original intent never changed. God intended that we would come to the place where we say, I am the image of the invisible God. I am the means by which the invisible God manifests himself. I can't be anything but a receiver and a manifester of the person that I'm in union with. That's all I can do. And that's not hard to do. If that's all I can be, then that's not hard to be. It's not hard for me to be Jeff. But if I'm trying to be somebody else, well, that's another story. That's really hard. I once read a story about a young boy who was about 10 years old, and he idolized this athlete in his community who was 18 at the time. He was a star, and this, this kid just had a lot of hero worship for him. And the, the older athlete had this really peculiar walk. He wasn't a very tall guy, uh, but he had this really big loping step, and he kind of walked bent over a little bit. And so, as young boys tend to do, the young boy started to imitate his hero. Can remember, you know, you, you would watch baseball players on TV, right? And, and you'd see, you know, how your, your favorite player would swing the bat. And then you'd try to imitate that. Of course, you didn't have quite the skill levels that he did. But, you know, you would catch guys holding their bats in all kinds of bizarre, you know, ways because that's how they saw somebody do it, right? It wasn't natural to them. Same thing here. So this young 10-year-old starts to imitate the walk of his hero. And finally, his mother and father looked at him and he said, why are you walking like him? That is not natural. (laughs) Well, pretty soon he got over it and he started to walk normally again. See, it wasn't easy for him to act unnaturally trying to emulate this idol that he had. But it was very easy for him to be just a 10-year-old boy. In the same way, if I know that I'm just meant to be me, not the originator of life, but the means to which that life is manifested, well, then that's pretty easy. And so we we operate from this inner person who is able to do through us, as us, what it pleases him to do.
See, previously we could only try to do what we thought would please him and then offer that back to him. That's pretty laborious and pretty frustrating work. Just being me, just being you, is easy. Now I've emphasized that you know God has made us new creations at our birth. That also is rock bottom, bedrock, foundational truth. Right? Paul says it over and over. We've talked about it for six or seven weeks now. And so, in a sense, though you have the same humanity now that you've had uh, that you had before, your spirit might be new, but you didn't receive a new personality the moment that you received Jesus. You're still mostly outgoing or mostly reserved, mostly spontaneous or mostly deliberate. Your humanity is basically the same now as it was before. The question is, can you accept it? Can you even glory in it? So if you go to your mechanic and he puts a brand new engine in your car, can you now glory in your car even though it has some rust spots on it? I say yes. And I think that's what God is saying to us. He says, if I'm willing to put a new engine in your car and glory in your car, will you glory in it with me? I think that's one of the hardest lessons we have to learn. to glory in our humanity, to be satisfied with ourselves as we are. Is there a harder lesson that we have to learn? You see, everybody has something about their humanity um, that they don't like. Might be your personality, or it could be your body, it could be any number of things. And, and we just wish, you know, God, would you please change this so I would look better for you? Most of the time we wanted to change it so we'd look better for us. And, you know, from our perspective, we're thinking, well, you know, God, if you would just take away that thing, then I would look better for you. The problem is that that thing may be with us until they plant us six feet under. You know, my thing has probably been the same for years. And it's probably going to be for years to come. Lord, why don't you make me more tolerant? I'd look so much better for you if you would just take away my perfectionism. But here's the thing. People can relate to you through all of your warts and your blemishes. People can't relate to you through your holiness. You're too slick there. You, you know, you, you've got it two together. You know, if they think you're just this really holy, holy person. <laughs> I'll never forget. <laughs> 
Mark Blowers reminds me all the time. I had he called me on the phone one day. And he uh, he asked me what I was doing, and I said, "Oh, I'm just sitting around being holy." <laughs> he always reminds me of that. But see, while people can't relate to you through your holiness, they can relate to you through your warts. We, we've got to all come to a place where we say, Lord, even though that thing, whatever it is, is still in my humanity, I'm going to praise you for it. And here's what I think you're going to discover if you'll do that. Shortly after you start praising God for whatever thing is causing the problems, you aren't going to see it anymore. I don't mean it's going to automatically disappear. It would be great if it did. Chances are probably not good that that's going to happen. But what will happen is you'll stop being fixated on it. You're not going to be anxious about it any longer. Because that's the way that God moves in on us. When we finally accept ourselves the way he does. Now, please understand, I'm not advocating sin, all right? But I am saying that when we shift our focus from ourselves, from some neutral aspect of our personality that we don't like, or yes, even some fleshly pattern that keeps reoccurring in us, if we can then instead focus on Christ in us, that enables God to really begin to work. We are then transformed into his image as we behold him, not as we behold ourselves. And that comes from 2 Corinthians 3.18. God will take those things that are fixations in us when we're flesh-oriented and turns them into blessings when we're spirit-oriented. And once you finally see this, then you can begin to accept yourself as you really are. You can accept yourself as God's asset. And so then, finally, we will be able to say, you know, Lord, through my family tree and through all the circumstances that I've come through, you have made the outer person that I am. You live in that person, you set that person in the world in a way that's going to attract some people to you. Now, I'm not going to attract everybody. But the ones that God doesn't attract through me, he'll attract through somebody else. It's kind of why we all fit together, right? Together as a whole, because nobody can attract everybody. So you come to this place of inner peace, just knowing that the warts and the imperfections, all of those things that constitute your outer humanity are going to be the very things that God is going to use to attract some brother or sister, some boy or some girl that they're going to be able to get a hold of and relate to. And as they do, they're going to receive that life that is in you, that flows out of you. We don't have to be anybody else. We don't have to submit 
to anyone trying to make us like anybody else either. Let's say that again. You don't have to be like anybody else and you do not have to submit to anyone trying to make you like someone else. You are free to be who God created you to be. And know that God is so pleased to manifest his beautiful variety of expressions through each of us in, th in the unique way that he's created you. See, every time, every fall, the topic always turns, topic of conversation, always turns to the color of the leaves. You know, if we have had a, uh, a fair amount of rain, then typically the leaves are beautiful. There's just this amazing display of color. And we all get excited about, you know, the different colors of all the leaves. But then we get around most Christians, and all they want to do is be one color. They all want to be brown or blue. And so we walk out into the world and we say, isn't God beautiful? Isn't it wonderful that he gave us all these colors? We're grateful to God for this amazing variety that he's given us until he comes to live in human beings. Then we say, you better shape up. You're not acting like the rest of us. That's a trick of the enemy, you know. That's him saying, well, since God is one, then you had better all be one too. You all have to look exactly the same. You see, we are one where it counts. And that's the inner man, our spirit. We are all made in his likeness, and we are all one in spirit. But that inner oneness is what frees us to have variety on the outside. According to Paul, that's the way it should be in the body of Christ. There's going to be different ministries in the church because God is going to reveal to people different roles. Talks about some of them. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And so rather than trying to find something to do for God, we will have some role that God impresses upon us. We won't all be the same, but we will see the God in us. That's part of standing fast in this liberty which Christ has set us free for, rather than regimenting everybody's activity or service to God, saying, you have to do it this way. Variety in ministry is part of us being God's precious assets. It's part of God expressing his life through all of us in a variety of different ways. So, so is variety in relationships. 
We don't all have to have marriages or friendships or other relationships that look exactly the same as everybody else's. We're free to be different because all of these varieties are anchored in the inner person of who we truly are. And see, in our deepest being, the only person that we are is love. And in honor, preferring one another. But we can express that love, which is God's love, in a whole variety of ways. And so, as earthen vessels, we are a variety of colors and sizes and shapes and appetites and interests and energies. The bottom line is that we're always operating for what you, for what, from what you might call the holy wink. We know that to others, it looks like us. But we know it's Christ in us. We're at peace in our spirit union with God. Knowing that our humanity is God's perfect instrument. It's the means by which God touches the world. And so I would encourage you today to thank God for your humanity. Thank God for your parents, even for the difficult things that you inherited from them. Because God used all of that to help make you the perfect instrument that you are right now. Thank God for your warts. Praise God for them because I'll guarantee you, he's going to make them a blessing in somebody else's life. Take back your humanity as the dwelling place of the Most High God. Make peace with you. Aren't we so often at war with ourselves? Make peace with who you are. And when the Holy Spirit shows you that it pleases God to live in you, then you're going to have to be satisfied with you because God is. Let it dawn on you that you are no longer a liability to God. That you are a wonderful and a beautiful and a necessary asset. You are the vessel by which the world drinks. You are the means by which the world sees the love and the life of God. You are a straight stick. It's the way God sees you. And it isn't it about time that you start seeing yourself the same way. having a conversation with Jesus this morning and uh, I asked him 
if there was anything that he wanted to say or do in our service today. And his answer surprised me. So that always guarantees me. But it's something that I wasn't expecting that I know, okay, this is God. I didn't just make that up because it was like, what? It makes perfect sense, but at the same time, I was certainly not thinking in this direction. Lights, please. And I really got sort of further confirmation about it with something that Lainey said when we were praying earlier. And, and really with what she said at the beginning of worship. So when I asked God, what did he want to do today? What did he want to heal? I think that was how I put it. What do you want to heal today? His words were broken hearts. And I thought, well, okay. That certainly wasn't what I, what I was going with this. And so I said, well, Jesus, what does that look like? What is, what is that going to look like if we pray for someone? And his answer was very clear. He said, I'm going to overwhelm them with my love. So if I could have some people uh, come up to uh, pray. If that speaks to you, as we sort of close our service with worship, and a time of, of sort of interacting with God. If that word is one that really resonates with you, if you have a broken heart or have had a broken heart, then I think God wants to, to touch you today. And so I would simply invite you to come to one of these folks that are standing around the sanctuary and let them pray with you for that. And let God overwhelm you with his love. What, what could be better? Can you imagine going back to wherever you'll go tomorrow or later on in the week? And say, yeah, so what'd you do on Sunday? Well, I went to church. Oh, well, how was that? Well, God overwhelmed me with his love. Really? So, Father, I, I just I thank you for that. Mm. I just ask your Holy Spirit to just manifest himself right now in our presence and begin to touch the hearts of those are broken. Jesus said when he came that it was his mission, his charge to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to give sight to the blind, up the brokenhearted. 
I think that's what he wants to do today. I also have the sense that right now God is putting somebody in here in the, in the heart, on the heart of somebody. And if that's happening, then you just go, go get up and go right now to them and start praying with them. I think God's pointing something out to someone. So Lord, we thank you. Father, I pray that as this week goes forth, that you would continue to show us in a multitude of ways how pleased you are with us so that we can begin to get a hold of the idea that you see us as perfect. That as a result of what happened at the cross, you don't view us the way we still view ourselves. So touch each each one here. Just give you thanks and praise, Father, for everything that you're doing. Bless these, your people, as they leave from this place, whatever it is that they need to go to. give you thanks in all things and ask this now in Jesus mighty name